0: All right, well welcome, welcome to the end. The two shall become one, now what? So I am assuming that you were in the right class. (laughs) So that's a good thing. So we will get started in a word of prayer. All right, you ready? Lord, I pray that each lady, whether they are on their way or whether they are already here, that you would allow them to be blessed by this class Each woman that reads this book, that hears the audio, that takes this class, I pray that she feels your mighty presence envelop her. May the words read or heard be like a honeydew melon that is refreshing and satisfying to the innermost parts. May you ready and steady their hearts to receive your wisdom, for you created them. You know how intricately, delicately, fearfully, and wonderfully made each woman here is. Bless them as you remove me and speak directly to their ready-made hungry hearts give them a queen's feast to absorb as we delve through the pages you have set before us in jesus precious name we pray amen all right so i'm going to give you a little bit of background on me i am a wife of it'll be 22 years this year wow 22 years that's so awesome I am a mother of three. My husband is in the military, so he is a soldier for the Lord and a soldier for the United States Army. I am a keynote speaker, business owner, blah, 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 blah. Right? Who cares about all that? The main thing I want y'all to know is that I love the Lord. I love him. He is wise. He is wonderful. He is our savior. and For that alone, we should love him, right? But one thing that i want to share is that he gave us this institute called marriage and sometimes it can be awesome it can be stupefying it can be unbelievable it can be remarkable phenomenal thrilling and i love this word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious just means wonderful okay Now, it is an institution, and sometimes when we're in marriage, we're like, oh, I'd rather be in an institution than be in this institution (laughs) called marriage, right? But the beautiful thing is God is always with us. He is always with us. So if you are looking at marriage through the lens of this is nice at times, but I don't know if I can do this, right? (laughs) Or, you know, if you're single and you're like, "Mm." I don't know if this is the right thing. I am going to change your mind about marriage, okay? In these four weeks that we're together, I am going to let you see marriage in a whole new light, all right? So we're gonna look up here. We are gonna be going through the five pillars of marriage. One is peace, then love, then respect, joyful submission, communication, and then we have a bonus. Now, you know how Pastor Tim gives, you know, three points and a bonus. Well, I'm gonna give you the five points and a bonus. But the funny thing is, I'm gonna give you the bonus first, and then we're gonna go through the five pillars. And then we're going to be using the Wife to Be a Survivor's Guide. Now, in this book, as you see, it has quite a few recipes in there, too. And all of them are delicious. You know, I'm not biased or anything. But each of the chapters is a survival tip, okay? Because we are in this marriage. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Yes, we are in this marriage to protect it to have this marriage survive. And so we have these survival tips. Now we're gonna go through about four chapters a week because we only have three weeks to be in this, okay? So we're gonna go through about four chapters a week. So we're gonna do a quick overview, but before we get to the overview, I wanna share with you that marriage is under fire. We can agree with that, right? Almost 50% of marriages end in divorce, 50%. That's a lot. That's a, yeah, we can close that door. Uh, um, yeah, so almost 50% end in divorce, which is kind of scary when you think about it, okay? Because that's just first marriages. <laughs> and then when you remarry, then guess what happens? The statistic is even higher of divorce. So we definitely want to try to preserve and protect what God has given us. So let's just do an overview here, okay? So we have The first class, which is this one, which I'm gonna try. I'm not gonna say we're gonna get through all of them, but I definitely will try to get through all of these. Preparing for the marriage, not just the wedding. How often do we spend so much time getting ready for the wedding, right? We have this person, and then we have the wedding planner, and we have the bridesmaids, and then the matron of honor. We have all these people, but then after you say I do, then what, (laughs) right? So we're gonna talk about that. The pressure cooker is a necessity. Microwave marriages don't usually last. Now you'll notice that there are a lot of food references and cooking references, (laughs) that's just me. (laughs) Then we have oven baked delights nourish the union. This is gonna be talking about preparing a safe haven within your marriage. In class two, we have sometimes marriage offers up single servings and this is talking about singlehood in marriage. And then this this one, I love this chapter. Always have chocolate on hand because that's important, right? (laughs) Discovering a woman's deepest need. And then, now, when I wrote this, I wrote, I think I may need a drink, but I think I spelled it wrong. I think it's, I think I need a drink, okay, (laughs) because it's really serious. And that's discovering your husband's deepest need. Then we have a supplemental pill just won't do. The S word is not a four-letter word. And then in class three, we have eat your veggies, build strong marriages. Next, old school home cooking. When I wrote this chapter, I was thinking about my Nana's cooking. My Nana was an amazing cook. But it's about finding a mentor, mentee, and either a side-by-side or a sideline, is what we call it in the book. Next, develop the neck bone. You you ever see uh, my big fat Greek wedding? (laughs) she says, you know, the, the man is the head but the woman is the neck and she can turn Well, we're going to really dig into what that means and what it should mean. And then we have aphrodisiacs are us, intimacy in marriage and why it is important. Then we have class four. Class four, everyone is invited to this class. Wives may also invite their husbands, and those engaged as well will have a time of cooking together in the kitchen. It will be a time of getting to know one another again and to really appreciate, not just differentiate, but appreciate the differences between men and women, especially in the kitchen. (laughs) All right, so our key scripture is going to be Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to take that out. And I'm going to read it for you. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as also you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but to each one grace i just love that word grace to each one grace was given according to the measure of christ's gift now since listening to Priscilla Shire, God bless that woman, she has really taught me how to study the scriptures. So when I was looking at this, and I've read the scripture you know, so many times, but as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of meat in this scripture. And I never looked at it as a marital scripture. But this is how I read the Bible. Look, I want you to see that. Can you see it? Okay, so all of those underlined words are words that I looked up. When we're looking or reading the Bible, we have to remember that the Bible was written in specific language. And what I mean by that is our language is so general, right? I can say I love this book, I love the table, I love my daughter, I love my husband. All of those are different loves, right? But in the Hebrew and in the Greek, there was no question about what they loved or how they loved. You know, phileo was different from that eros type of love. You know, so when we're looking at this, we need to really dig into the words. So we're going to dig into the words today, okay? All right, so, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore. Hey, how you doing? Come on in. Implore. Here, you can grab a book. Please please tell me your name again. Susie. Susie, okay. And you, you can just sign in right there. What? Yes. I'm a worker. Oh, well, good. <laughs> That's oh, this is for to me? Oh, no, 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 no. This is for everybody. Right. This is for everybody. Yes. So, this is for survivors Oh, yes. We're going to survive. <laughs> we are surviving. And not, not only are we going to survive, we're going to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're going through Ephesians 4 1 through 7 right now. And this is going to be like our anthem scripture for this class. And we're digging into this almost like an inductive Bible study. So what does it mean when someone says I implore you to do something? Urge. Urge. Strongly That's a urge. urge. That's a good one. Yes. So the he's urging. So this is Paul talking, right? And he is saying, "I the prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy." What do you think worthy means? You deserve it. You deserve it. Mm. In in a, yeah, kind of in a different context. It actually just means to respect. So walk in a manner that is respectful of the calling with which you've been called. Now, when I looked at the word calling, there was quite a few definitions. But here are the two that really kind of personify this, this scripture. It is an important assignment carried out for religious purposes, typically involving travel. Now I thought that was kind of odd right? Travel. And then looking at that in the context of marriage, (laughs) thinking about calling as involving travel, when you and your husband got married, right? Speaking to the marriage right now, when you and your husband got married, would you say that you are the same person that you were the day you got married? No, right? I can definitely tell you, I am not the same person. In fact, when my husband and I got married, we weren't even saved. We didn't have any counsel. And I will tell you, counseling before marriage is so much cheaper than counseling after (laughs) marriage. It really is. But I could see, because we went from being the people that we were, and now 25 years later, we are two completely different people. But also, it talks about a vocation or calling of a religious organization, especially a Christian one, to go out into the world and spread the gospel. We are to spread God's message in whatever calling we're in, okay? So we're going to talk about calling versus purpose later. Sometimes they can get confusing. The two of them can get confusing, but they are definitely two distinct terms we're going to get into. All right, so with all humility. Now, when we think about humility, what do we think? Kind of like just being low right oh you know i'm not worthy that that type and that's not what god's talking about yeah i know right humbly and 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 the thing is when we are talking about humility it's just freedom from pride or arrogance that's all it is it comes from the latin word humilis meaning low right but when we look at how the world describes low it means you know, I'm beneath others. And that's not what God is saying because he's already told us, you know, that we're kings, you know, kings and queens, you know, we're, we're, we're up here. So if that's the case, we can't be down here, okay? Gentle, <laughs> gentle actually means two things, belonging to a family of high social status. And I would say, you know, being in God's family, that puts us in that, that ranking of high social status, but also to make an animal tame or docile. So I was like, Lord, are you calling my husband an animal? He's like, oh, wait, he said, I'm not talking about your husband. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> I got that one, Lord. I got that one. So obviously, he is talking about us. And he's saying, with patience. Now, that word patience means to be steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity which actually goes right along with what tolerance is. Now the world tells us, can say that again? sure. Patience, was... patience is steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Okay? Yes. And also in the book, I forgot to tell you, there are some note pages in there. So if you want to write you know in the note pages, you can write in the note pages also. All right, so tolerance. We have to show tolerance. In the world's term of tolerance, it means I have to accept. <laughs> right? That, that's tolerance. But God is saying that it's the relative capacity to grow or thrive when subjected to an unfavorable environment or circumstance. That brings on a whole new definition of tolerance. Can you say that again? I will, yes. A relative capacity to grow or thrive when subjected to an unfavorable environment or circumstance, okay? So we have to show that. We have to show that we can grow and thrive in the midst of an unfavorable circumstance for one another, like I was <laughs> that for one another. But it's not just for one another, it's for one another in Love, love, and we all know God is love, right? So we have to thrive and grow for one another in the spirit. That was like, whoa, Lord. All those times I was getting upset with my husband, Mm. (laughs) whoa, Lord, okay. Then we have to be diligent to preserve. When you think about the word preserve, what comes to mind? Other than like, you know, jam. (laughs) What else comes you think? safekeeping yes yeah so like when make it, last. make it last yes also like when we're thinking about an animal right an, an endangered animal and they put them on a preserve yeah. it's to protect them right well that's what God is talking about here preserve means to keep safe from injury harm or destruction to protect God wants us to be diligent to preserve what the unity of the spirit so the oneness with the spirit. We have to protect that in the bond of peace. Now, to bond something, that's like, you know, kind of, yeah, like putting adhesive to it, fusing it together, right? But even the word of, he said, he wanted me to look up. I was like, of, Lord? Really? Of? Like, that's so simple. He's like, oh, ho, ho, look it up. <laughs> so of means it's used to indicate the reason for doing something. So... The bond, and the reason why you are preserving the unity of the spirit in the bond is because you need to preserve peace in your home. Because where there is no peace in your home, there's going to be strife, and wherever there's strife, guess who wants to come in? Yes. <laughs> come on in. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, I didn't, did I turn turn it on? I turned it on, come on. <laughs> you might have to edit that out, but I'm, I'm on. Okay. So, <laughs> Alan keeps me straight. All right, so then the next one is, where were we? Oh, we talked about peace. Peace is harmony, right? Harmony in your personal relations. But there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope, right? Of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all. Oh, I love prepositions. Yes. Can you tell I'm them to homeschool the mom? I love prepositions because it tells you where something is. Prepositions. Remember that word position. Okay. So it's saying that God is over. What does that mean to be over something? Anyone? Yes. Yes. Authority over something. Power over something. So God has authority over all, and He works. Through all, okay? That word through, it's a function word, and it means the treatment and the passage through something, okay? But not just through it, but out of it as well, okay? And then in all. In is another function word, and it's used to indicate inclusion, location, and limits. So in other words, there are limits to what can happen to you, to what the enemy can do. Okay, as long as we're following this. But to each one, grace. I love that word, grace. You know, in Christianese, (laughs) we say grace means unmerited favor, right? And we just fling that around. Oh, it's just unmerited favor. It means so much more than that. Grace is the unmerited divine assistance given to us for the purpose of regeneration. What? 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 That's like being in a desert and then you see the fountain. (laughs) You get regenerated through grace. And it was given, which means freely, okay? The word measure just means how much. But it's giving according to the measure of Christ's gift, not ours. So I'm going to show you what this whole scripture sounds like with all of the definitions in it, right? So we have just reworded it. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to pursue a course of action or way of life, respecting the important assignment to be carried out for the purpose with which you have been chosen, to spread my message with all freedom from pride and arrogance, because you belong to a family of high social status. Holding fast even in the midst of opposition difficulty or adversity, showing the ability to grow and thrive even when subject to an unfavorable environment for one another in unselfish adoration of God with steady, earnest, and energetic effort to protect the quality of being connected with and belonging to the Holy Spirit of God in an adhesive and fusible way that combines and strengthens your peace. There is one fellowship of believers. That's us. There is, I'm sorry, and one Holy Spirit who activates it all. Just as also you were assigned one desire that is accompanied by expectation of fulfillment. That's faith right there, and that's hope, okay? That expectation of it being fulfilled. One Lord, one belief, trust, and loyalty to God, one sacrament admitting you into the body, one God and Father, who is the reason for all, who has power and authority over all, who can handle it all, whose location is in the midst of it all. And if all that wasn't good enough for you? (laughs) We have, Christ has given us unmerited divine assistance to grow in divine virtue as a result of our commitment to him, according to the adequate portion of his noble, meaning high rank and excellent, endowment. Wow. Never read that scripture like that before, huh? No, I didn't. So, yeah, that for me was like boop, boop, amazing. Now, when we think about marriage, what would your definition of marriage be? Somebody said, just give me a definition of marriage. what, What would it be? A man and a woman
1: covenanted promise together for life.
0: Okay else because you'd be surprised what's on the internet oh boy yeah yeah Yeah. well here I'll tell you the first one was and this one wasn't bad okay the joining of one man and one woman in holy matrimony the two becoming as one that's pretty cool right although I don't think that you know Adam and Eve may have necessarily had a wedding ceremony but that's probably the closest then we have this one when two people are in love and want to spend the rest of their lives with each other. Okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> I, want y'all, I want y'all to turn to page 24. Um, yeah, because this sounds like my husband and I when we got together, okay? Now, this, yes, page 24. This is in survival tip number three microwave marriages don't last. So before marriage was even a thought in either of our minds, Omar, that is my husband, and I dated. Well, if you define dating as meeting and a couple of months later shacking up, then yes, that is what we did. Our relationship went from zero to 60 in less than six seconds. There was no doubt about it. We were both physically attracted to one another. His smile and eyes hooked me the moment I saw him. My charm and smile won him over. Yup, we were hot and in love. We were a match made in heaven. I knew his favorite number. He knew my favorite color. Our eyes couldn't meet without a twinkle appearing. We were so deep. (laughs) We were marriage material for sure. Insert eye roll right there. Okay, no, that does not work. (laughs) It really and honestly does not work. But here's the dictionary.com. And I think this is like, this this says a lot about why there's a 50% divorce rate. Any of the diverse forms of interpersonal union established in various parts of the world to form a familial bond that is recognized, okay, get this, remember we talked about, you know, conjunction junctions here, okay, (coughs) legally, (coughs) excuse me, legally, religiously, or socially. So either it's legal, it's accepted legally, or it's accepted religiously, or it's accepted socially. It doesn't have to be accepted in all three areas, okay? Okay granting the participating partners mutual conjugal rights and responsibilities and including, for example, opposite-sex marriage, same-sex marriage, plural marriage, and arranged marriage. Mm, <laughs> she said, like, what's plural marriage? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 and this is actually trying to be amended to include others as well. That's gross, I love it. Okay, so obviously when you go by the world's definition of marriage, you're going to get the world's results, right? Yeah. So we're going to go with the one who made marriage, and so we're going to see what he says. So I want somebody to turn to Genesis 2, 23 through 24, and can you please just read that for me? Genesis 2, 2 23 through
1: 24. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh.
0: Love it. What version is that? That's ESV. ESV. Okay, read that first part. You said I think you said at last. Like yeah. woo, hurry up. <laughs> this at last is bone of my own, <laughs> This at last is bone yeah. of my <laughs> bone and flesh of my flesh. Okay, so God actually gives us three indicators that we're married. Okay, three indicators here. Can we kind of pick them out from what she said? Just maybe just give me one the first one. and I will give you a hint they are not in order what was the question The question was there are three uh, reasons or three steps that you know that you are married okay three steps to marriage. What are those steps? You can just give me one and okay. shout yes, them out. Father. Leave his father and mother. Okay, so cleave, right? Yes. So the man leaves his parents' household and creates a household of his own. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, but I am not going to reveal names to protect the not-so-innocent. So when my mom passed many moons ago, my mom and my ex-boyfriend's mother were friends, okay? So I went to give her a um, the obituary from the funeral. And I'm sitting there, and we're chatting, having a great time, and she says, we'll just call him Special. She says, oh, do you want to see Special? And I'm thinking, I want to see him. Like, he's here? Like, in the house? Like, what? (laughs) Like, no, I'm good. She's like, yeah, he's up in his room. Okay, he's up in his room? Like, he's still living here? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking, right? But what you have to understand about Special is that he had an already-made family. So already-made family was still living in the home. So when this says a man leaves his parents' household and creates a household of his own, that's what God means. Okay, not in that. Okay, that's that's what he's talking about. All right. So the next step two. What do you think step two is? Says hold
1: fast to his
0: Mhm. Okay. So step two, I will tell you, was probably one of the hardest steps for me. Okay. It says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Adam gives her his name. It took seven years, seven years, for me to take my husband's name. Not proud of that. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Okay. literally. And one thing that you need to understand about me is I came from a stock of very strong, independent women. Okay, And we were prideful, to a fault. (laughs) We were prideful. And I had such pride in my name that when he gave me his name, I pushed it away. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to keep my name. I'm not hyphenating anything. No, 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 no. I'm going to keep my name. You keep your name. We're good. We're married. We got the piece of paper. We're good, right? Okay. so this is like flesh. (laughs) Oh, flesh. So literally, it took me seven years. And it, and it wasn't that I was um, convicted from my husband. We were sitting in church one day, and the pastor had this whole sermon <laughs> about Adam and Eve and how Adam gave his name and Eve accepted it. And you know how you feel like he's looking at you? When he's <laughs> when he's doing that? And so I was like, okay. And it still took me a little bit, even after that, that's called stubborn. <laughs> Sorry, stubborn. But it took me, but to see how crushed my husband was because he gave that he was giving of himself and I was not accepting of it. So that's the second part. This is even before the two become one flesh. Okay. And then of course the third one is, you know, consummation of the marriage. Now, once this occurs, this is a uniting of the flesh. Okay, And there are so many reasons for this. Number one, obviously, you know, th- the reason of procreating. You know, God said be fruitful and multiply. But also, when we con- consummate the marriage, it's not just husband and wife, but now it's husband and wife in the bond of unity with the Spirit. That is what God is calling for. There is a purpose for marriage, marriage is the calling we have a calling whether it's a calling of singlehood whether it's a calling in being married whether it's a call of at a moment's notice being a widow it's a calling and god calls us in whatever state we are in to be in that state so what do you think well before we even get there i want to give you a side note okay uh con- the consummation of marriage or sex is the deepest form of communication that two people could ever have, okay? And we're gonna talk about this, you know, in the third class, in the Aphrodisiacs Are Us chapter, but I wanna share that you can say more while making love to your husband than you ever could say with words. And he will say more than he ever will with words, okay? Okay? So understand that it is just that important, okay? All right, so differences between calling and purpose. Can someone tell me the difference between calling and purpose? I know it's hard, right? Yes. I had to look up several definitions to try to figure it out. Okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you because I'm, I know yeah, I'm going to tell you. So calling is an important assignment, and we talked about that, right? Carried out for the religious purposes, right? It involves travel. Purpose is the reason for which you do something. So if to put it in uh, a picture form, give, give you a vision of what calling and purpose is. Purpose is the destination. Calling is the vehicle. So God has a purpose for each one of us. He has a purpose in singlehood. He has a purpose in marriage. He has a purpose, okay? But the singlehood is the vehicle, and those who are single will probably reach people that a married person could never reach. And the same thing for marriage. Reach people that a single person could never reach, okay? So when we think about marriage and we think about that purpose, God has a purpose for us being united. That's our vehicle to get us where he desires for us to go. Okay. So you said the calling is the destination. The purpose, the is, purpose. The destination. Mm-hmm. The calling is the destination. Mhm. Yes, and the calling is the vehicle. Yes. Gotcha. Mhm. All right. Ooh, we're getting through this. Okay. So, in your book, it's so important to ask questions, okay? The lines of communication need to be open in a marriage, and oftentimes they are not. So, when we think about before we get married, there are questions that we should ask that my husband and I did not ask each other at all, (laughs) never even thought to ask each other, that we actually asked each other when I started writing the book, (laughs) okay? So we're going to go to these questions and why these questions are so important, not only for if you are not married, but if you are married, still you need to ask these questions because I found out a whole lot about my husband. (laughs) in asking these questions. So the first one is, what is communication like in your family? How do you resolve arguments? You know, you're, you're figuring like, oh, I'm sorry, it's page six and seven, forgive me. Yes, page six and seven. And so you're, you're thinking, you know, why is it that every time I say something, he's thinking something completely different than what I'm actually saying? You know, why are the lines of communication like this? <laughs> yes. Well, my husband and his family, they shouted. That's how they communicated. Oh, yeah, oh, it's right. In my family, we did the silent treatment. Okay, We could avoid you for weeks. Some people have, are still avoiding for years. Okay, And now we can just start talking to you like nothing ever happened. Now, I'm thinking that my husband is going to react the way his family reacts, right? Mm-mm. It was actually the opposite. We flipped it. So I started yelling, and I'm not a yeller now anyway <laughs> but i started yelling and he would just just scrunch up and not say a word it's important to talk about how you are going to resolve conflict because just that way of communication built up so much tension so much tension in our marriage in the first years of our marriage the next question <laughs> This is really a loaded question, okay? What do you love about me? Which of my characteristics do you find irritating? And what would you like me to change? Now, if you're married, tread lightly with this question, okay, if you really don't wanna know the answer, don't ask the question, okay? But if it's before you get married, ask this question. Because if you find that your fiance or your boyfriend is trying to change everything about you, you know, and it's nothing that's, you know, Biblical is going wrong with you, and he's trying to change everything about you. He's not the one, okay? Because he's—it's it's not going to get better when you say I do, right? Okay. So make sure that you understand that. You know what they find cute now, just slightly irritating now, is going to blow up <laughs> after you say I do. And the same thing with you. Just saying. Next question three: How much time should we spend at each other's families' homes? How often should our families visit us? How and where do you see us spending important holidays? (laughs) You're already breathing, right? (laughs) Yes, those are important questions because I didn't realize I was gonna be spending every Mother's Day at my mother-in-law's house. Like, what, like, huh? (laughs) But, you know, for my husband, he didn't see anything wrong with that because he had his wife who's a mom, he had his mom who's a mom. We're good, got everybody in one house. So it's important to talk about these things, right? Number four, do you see us having children? If so, when and how many do you envision? (laughs) My husband is one of six. His parents, both of them, so this is on both sides, are one of 14. So I thought we were going to have a big family, right? My husband was like, "Mm -hmm, we ain't having any. What (laughs) are you serious right now? Like I'm so serious like we're gonna have a lot, right? He's like, No, thank God. He has changed his mind obviously. We have three beautiful children, but I was really in shock about that. So that's something you want to talk about. Okay, number five. I think number five and number seven are like the big ones. Okay, what is your credit score? (laughs) And what is your level of debt? I didn't realize how important this question was until we tried to buy a car. <laughs> yes. A girl, yes. You know, and you know, in here I I laugh okay. and I say, you know, if he's sitting out there with a Corvette and he's still living in his parents' basement, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. If he has a level of debt that is just like astronomical, that doesn't just speak of the fact that he may be irresponsible in a few areas. That's a relationship issue. Okay? Because that's a relationship that he has with finances. And guess what? Like you say I do, that doesn't just go away. That's something that takes counseling. <laughs> counseling. So if you are married and this is the issue, I would say make it a honey, let's talk, number one, and maybe we need help not you need to go get some help, but maybe we need to get help. It's always a we, okay? All right, number six, where do you see us in five years, 10 years, and 20 years? Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so if you are with someone who doesn't have a vision for your family, that's something that you want to talk about, you know, because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But if You are sitting down and saying, okay, hey, we're going to make this plan. This is where I see us going. You know, we're going on this vacation. Or, you know, maybe, um, you know, with with my husband and I, it was where are we going career-wise? Because if we're heading this way or if I'm heading this way and he's heading this way, there's no way we can head this way, okay? So we talk about all of these things. And then lastly, what or who is the foundation of your spiritual life? When my husband and I got married, we were not saved. And it took us a while to get saved, but one of us got saved before the other and so then we were unequally yoked. The blessing of not being married yet is that you don't have to be <laughs> unequally yoked. So these are questions that you definitely want to ask because they are so important. All right, so has, you know what, let's, let's go into the pressure cooker chapter. I love pressure cookers, okay? Who here loves to cook? I love it. Okay, I'm gonna try and make y'all awesome cooks before we're finished. just
1: whatever I wanted and out Yes, yes. Yes,
0: exactly. I know yes, when so I know Amen <laughs> to cleaning up after, yes. You, you, you have to cook. But because I'm so picky, hmm I like to buy my roll stuff and
1: go from roll. Yeah.
0: Girl, I am right okay, there, there with food. you. Fast food so, is awful. I go I'm <laughs> right. Yes! And with him because he likes this pre cooked food. Yes. Pre cooked meals. Pre cooked sandwiches. Yes! And I yes. you said, like, You're right. yeah, the prison is full back of your stuff, but it's tough to make soup. Yes! It's stuff to cook stew. Right! It's stuff to cook great stuff for yes. you. Yes! And for our daughter, like. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but I need a space for my stuff. What?
1: <laughs> Chicken sandwich that he buys in uh,
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's not like yeah. uh, <laughs> You know what? I so agree with you. It is so important that we learn how to cook, number one. Uh, and cook from scratch and not get all this preservative and junk and stuff. So you're speaking my language there. Uh, a funny thing is like when when you read this book, my husband talks about my first meal that I made for him.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> My grandmother was the cook. I was the one that ran from the kitchen every time I could get, until it was taste testing time. Then all of a sudden, I was visible again, right? (laughs) But this first time, uh, I wanted to impress him. And I said, I'm going to make chicken. I'm going to make some barbecue chicken, right? So I put it in the oven, put the barbecue sauce all over it as it was raw, put the barbecue sauce all over it, and I put it in the oven. And I said, oh my goodness, this is taking forever. Yes, I did. I turned the oven up. <laughs> and so I could start to smell the barbecue sauce, which I thought I was smelling the chicken. So I take it out, put it on the table, put it on his plate, right? And he's like, oh, this looks really good. He cuts into it, blood everywhere. <laughs> yes, and he even still married me after that. So it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so. In the pressure cooker chapter this is talking about trials and tribulations in your marriage, right? I did not have amazing role models for marriage growing up. In my family it was, you know, divorce was just something we did. You know, if something didn't go right we didn't like we fell out of love, which was so easy to do, we just get divorced. You know, or there was infidelity, we get divorced, you know, or the flip side of that was they stayed married but they were emotionally divorced. They were divorced in every other way, okay? So I didn't really have great role models growing up, but I did have this one couple, and they were friends of the family, and they're called the gentries. Let me see if I can show you the gentries. Aren't they cute? They are so stinking cute. She is gorgeous. Is she not gorgeous? Okay, and so I wanna read to you about the gentries and how the gentries just like blessed my life so much. Now, that's a picture of them now. They are in their 90s, and yes, they are still married, still lovey-dovey all on each other. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) All right, so the Gentrys, a well-seasoned couple in their 60s at the time, had the perfect marriage. Mr. Gentry was debonair, a man's man, and definitely not hard on the eyes. Mrs. Gentry typified a lady in every sense of the word. She was gentle, delicate, and beauty personified. Honestly, I believe the woman could have walked on water she was so regal. The gentries were always pleasant to each other, tender and devoted. I'm sorry, I'm on page 14. Omar and I looked up to this couple as our wedding day approached. I remember thinking in my heart, I hope my marriage will mirror theirs. But secretly, in my head, I was thinking, if this marriage lasts five years or more, we'll be doing great. (laughs) That's scary to think, right? I don't know if uh, y'all are friends with Pastor Carol on Facebook, but he posted about um, you know just a couple going into marriage with that mindset of you know if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce, and that was our mindset going into marriage. That's hard, right? But. Even though that was my mindset, I still was keeping hope alive, right? I said, oh, you know, the reason why all of the the marriages in my family didn't work out is because they married the wrong person, right? So I'm marrying the right person. He's the perfect person. Remember I told you how, you know, we were so in love. We were match made in heaven. Uh, This is not going to happen to us, right? I said, we're gonna have a marriage just like the Gentry's. There were only three problems with that. Number one, I was not Mrs. Gentry. Ah. Number two, my husband was not Mr. Gentry, okay? And then number three, we only saw them on occasion. They were the prime example, though, of a pressure cooker marriage. Now, the way a pressure cooker works, okay, or an instant pot, the way it works is you put all these raw materials in there, right? And you stick some water in there, you know, so it doesn't burn the bottom of the pot. So you you put a roast, maybe you put some rosemary, some garlic, you know, a little bit of salt and pepper in there, maybe a little balsamic vinegar. Mmm, I can can taste it. Anyway, and then you tightly put the lid on and you make sure that the vent is closed. And then maybe about 40 minutes later, you, you, you feel it, it's warm. You can't, like, you know, open the lid, can't get in there. But 40 minutes later, you let it vent and then the lid opens. And you have this amazing dish. And the smell of it, that aroma draws people from all areas of the house to the kitchen, right? That is what their marriage was like. They had all of these raw materials in the pressure cooker. And here are the raw materials we're talking about, right? So we're talking about our will, our personality, our experiences, our upbringing, friends, quirks, family, communication style. They had all of this in their pressure cooker. And they clicked that lid, and the pressure is hot in there, Okay, And that's how it cooks. And they did not leave that pressure cooker until they were done. The heat that was applied to their marriage didn't break them. It softened them. It made them a sweet-smelling aroma to everyone that was around them. Everybody in my family wanted a marriage like theirs. Everyone. And so their pressure cooker of a marriage just delighted us so much. We talk about microwave marriages. Microwave marriages are actually the antithesis of what a pressure cooker marriage is. Okay? Now, I shared with you about how my husband and I, we were so in love. We were just amazing together, right? Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. At all. We were just a hot mess and didn't know it. That's what the problem was. But. The microwave does the exact opposite of what the pressure cooker does, okay? So a microwave heats food up quickly and cools it down quickly, right? But in a microwave, maybe some parts might be heated, some parts are still cold, some parts will remain hard, right? That's what a microwave marriage is. You know, you heat up, oh, we're so in love, and then the moment things don't go our way, I'm ready for a divorce. I can't do this. Irreconcilable differences, right? So that's why microwave marriages don't last. So we're not even going to uh, really dig into that too much. But what we are going to dig into is the bonus. So we talked about the five pillars, right? This is actually our bonus pillar. So trust is when we keep our relationship oven closed. When you put food in an oven, what is the rule of putting food in the oven? Don't open the oven, yes, don't open the oven. Because what happens, the food cooks unevenly, right? Some some parts are really good, then it'll get dried out, right? It'll get tough in other spots. I always yell at my family, don't you open that oven. (laughs) Yes, and if, if you've watched Chopped Enough, you'll know you don't open the oven, right? So that's what happens in our marriage. The oven, the relationship oven is right here. Okay? And so I'm going to read you a story. This is going to be on page 31. Now, my mother, God bless her. Okay? I love my mother. But my mother was married three times. And before she passed, she was working on her fourth. Okay? And I learned a lot from my mother on what not to do. (laughs) I did. But the beautiful thing about that is what God revealed in this. So, I'm setting the stage for you right now. My husband and I had gotten into an argument. We were newlyweds, right? Got into an argument, and I was just done. I was like, I can't do this anymore, I'm just done. And so I go to my mother, <laughs> I'm starting on page 30 in the last paragraph. During the first year of our marriage, I was livid with my husband. I don't even recall about what. I just remember that I could feel heat around my neck. I was so angry. He seemed flippant and careless about whatever it was we were arguing about. I made the mistake of telling my mother, who might I remind you, was not the best relationship expert. <laughs> I believe her exact words were, I told you so. You shouldn't have married him. Now look at the mess you're in. My mother began to berate my husband, calling him every name other than a child of God, which at the time he was not, but hey, neither was I. At that moment, I heard my words coming out of her mouth. She was spewing back to me all of the malicious things I said about him in the past. I was not only furious with him, but now I'm also fuming at her. She was my mom and was supposed to encourage me, not tear down my choices. I was infuriated with myself because I had shared way too much information with her. I was also dumbfounded at how I got myself into this predicament in the first place. I left my mother's house that day feeling deeply wounded and depleted. I felt like I was in a boxing match and my opponents were the very people I thought were in my corner. I felt like screaming, Calgon, take me away! And I'm probably dating myself with that commercial right there. I wanted to escape. I not only wanted to leave my husband, but I also wanted to leave everyone involved. That sounds drastic, I am well aware, but the examples of marriage I saw as a child shifted into two extremes. On one hand, marriage was nothing more than a contract that could easily be broken. The possibility of divorce was always on the table and in many cases, never the last resort. On the other hand, couples stayed together but were emotionally divorced. They were more often than not, they stayed together for a plethora of societal reasons to save face for the kids, financial implications, and so on. So at this stage of my marriage, I thought I had only two choices. Either stay in this marriage and be miserable or get a divorce. Thankfully, there was a third choice. From that day forward, I made up in my mind that I didn't want to have a marriage like the ones I witnessed growing up. I did not want to have an ex-husband or a baby daddy. I wanted my marriage to work. I decided that certain adjustments needed to be made, and the first adjustment was me. I made a vow to my husband that what happened in our house stayed in our house. Nothing would be revealed without the permission of the other person involved. This still holds true today. Keeping the relational oven closed creates the safe haven that your marriage needs and builds the boundaries that establish love and respect. That chapter was the chapter that turned our marriage around. Yeah, that relational oven. Be careful who you share your information with and what you share. Doesn't matter whether it's mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, best friend, you know, sister in the Lord. Doesn't matter, <laughs> okay? Because you may be fine. Like, y'all may have an argument, right? And then you've made up, everything is fine. Guess what? They're still harboring <laughs> everything that you've just said. And they're holding on to that. Now they're looking at your husband with a side eye, (laughs) right? And everything is good between you two. So, the importance of keeping that relational oven closed, I can't even tell you the value of that enough. So, what questions do y'all have? We have questions at the end of each chapter, and we could go over those too. I'm trying to keep it, you know where we keep the pillars there, because we have a little more time. So I could go on if you want me to, or we can just answer some questions, it's up to you. Wow, so I'm so good that y'all just don't have any questions. Well, in here, I'm going to show you how this is set up. So right here we have the reflection questions, that is for you, okay, and then you have the real life applications, that is for you and your spouse. Hmm. So if we go to, let's see, page 17, we have real life application, right? This is the pressure cooker chapter. Think about that perfect couple. And even think, do you have that perfect couple or, you know, the ideal couple? Because no couple is perfect. But the ideal couple in mind that you look up to. Because it's so important, again, we're going to talk about having mentors and even having mentees. I believe that's in next week's class. But do you have that couple that you look up to? And, you know, even as a single person, do you have that couple that you look up to that if you ever did decide to get married one day, (laughs) you know, that these are the people that have already made the mistakes, and so you don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. You know, you can learn from what they have already done. Would y'all say that y'all have people like that? That's awesome. That's awesome. I do too, and I found them here in this church because they're just so awesome. (laughs) They're so awesome. Okay, uh, let's see. So we can go on to the next chapter since y'all already have that. Y'all got it down pat, I love it. Oh, and I want to talk about this too. Let me see how much time we have left. Okay, we're good. We're good on time. So I do want to talk about this, and we might even Dig into one of the pillars. But the last class, we have the cooking class. That's right, you weren't here when I was explaining that, were you? Were you here? Okay. So we have three classes that we're going to be in here. And then the last class is going to be a cooking class where the hubbies can come in. That's okay. That's okay. He doesn't have to. We're we still going to eat. Mm, I wish I could, but we don't have the kitchen then. It took us a long time to get the kitchen. (laughs) But it's okay because we can make enough for you to take home to him because we're going to make sure that he eats too, okay? But we're going to (laughs) use... Depending on how many people we actually have, we're going to use the recipes that are in here. We might be able to use the stove. If we have a lot of people, we might not be able to use the stove, but there are recipes in here where... The gym. Yeah, the gym.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, in in the gym. Now I do have some favorites that I, I absolutely love. Let me see if I can find it for you. You might be able to find it before I do. But it is the where is it? Oh. Ah. If you find it before I do, it looks like ice cream.
1: Oh, is it the coconut one?
0: It's on page fifty. Oh, she knows it by heart. Okay, it's on page fifty. <laughs> Okay, yes. So this one is a fun one to make, okay? Especially if if you don't have any allergies. Does anybody have any allergies to coconuts? What's up? We're going to have fun. Okay, so this is one of the ones that I was thinking about making because it is very easy to make, and it is absolutely delicious, okay? So we need to determine which one we're going to make. I'm trying to keep the costs low Mm -hmm. because, you know, the book is 15, and I really don't like to, you know, have you spend much more. So, um, I'm thinking that depending on how many people we have, we might be able to get away with 15 for the couple. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll 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 look at that. All right. So, since y'all don't have any questions well, then I'm just going to dig into the next one if that's okay. I'll
1: tell you, I thought that
0: Do you do not have to buy an instant pot. You do not have to buy an instant pot. That is so funny. Yeah, no. All of the terms that I use in the in here, they're just you know just food terms that I love to use. So, all right. So we're gonna go as far as we can go before that our time is up. Is that okay with y'all? All right. Cool. All right. So sometimes marriage offers up single servings. Mm. Have y'all ever felt? Alone in
1: marriage.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you got married, did you ever think that you would feel alone? I don't think I Yeah. I know. I didn't think so either. So I was in complete shock. <laughs> when I had... Yes. Like you're gonna date your best friend like every single day. Like you even get to you know just have slumber parties with your best friend all the time. It was gonna be great, right? Life was just gonna be fun, and then, yeah, and not not so much. <laughs> not always. Now it is fun. Yeah, you know, you know we you know those fun moments are definitely there. Yeah, but you know when when that time first kicked in, it was like, what just happened? You know, my husband's in the military, and the first two years of our marriage, we were separated. And not because you know we were angry with each other, but we were separated because of the military. So he was stationed in one area and I was stationed in many areas. <laughs> I wound up telling him that I was going into the military after he was already in the military. And so we didn't think that we would be apart for two years. That's a long time to be apart, right? But then we briefly got together, and when we got together, we realized, oh my goodness, we're married, but we still live as two single people. We never understood or learned how to live with each other as a married couple. Huh? Yeah, exactly. We, we were roommates. That's That's what we were. And it was not fun. It was not fun at all, because When I moved to where he was, of course he had all the friends, you know, let's go out. But it was, let's go out with my single friends, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm not invited, you know what I mean? So that was not fun. Then we moved again, moved to Maryland, and as we get there, a year later he gets orders to go to Korea. He was in Korea for 12 months, but that was like right around the time 9-11 hit. And so the military does this thing called a stop loss where no one can go anywhere. So he's there for 12 months, and they tell him, sorry, buddy, you got to stay for another year. So that's two years. So, you know, we're married for four years. (laughs) We're separated. And it was very lonely. It was very lonely. And then, you know, even when we got back together, because we didn't know how to communicate with one another, it was still lonely we didn't talk because we didn't know how to talk to one another so living with that i understood a couple of things number one that i really needed to learn how to love my husband i also needed to understand that the myth of this is going to be rosy all the time that marriage is not work Yeah, it is. But the Lord allowed me to appreciate even the singleness in marriage. And I think in those times of singleness, that's when the Lord brought me a mentor. And that mentor showed me, hey, you need to dig into the scriptures. Because this was during the time when I got saved. God's not stupid, okay? He knows the vehicle you need to travel in in order for him to get your attention. And he wasn't getting my attention in any other vehicle. So he said, okay, you're married. I called you to be married, but now I'm going to call you to be in singlehood in your marriage so that you'll hear me. As the anger began to brew, I would think, Lord, you need to deal with him. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, that genteel thing, you know, <laughs> that animal tame the beast. No, Lord's like, oh yeah, I got him. Mm, he's easy. It's you <laughs> that I need to deal with. And I remember reading First Peter chapter three, verses one through six. Let's let's turn there. I have it somewhere here in my notes. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Let's see, where in my notes do I have it? If you got it, let me know. And then you can start reading it, whoever's got it first. What uh, chapter 3, 1 through 6.
1: or her
0: children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Mm. That scripture blew me away. Because number one, like I said, I came from a stock of very independent, strong women. So when I saw that S word, I was like, that's a curse. Like, what? <laughs> Submission. Like, why is that even in there? You want me to submit to someone. He's not saved you want me to submit to him I'm a new Christian at this point and I'm like I can't do that (laughs) like that you're just asking way too much now Lord but it was through that submission that I realized I wasn't submitting to my husband I was submitting to the authority of God so it didn't matter whether my husband was saved or not It said, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So... Instead of me being like, yap, 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 I don't know if y'all know, I, I believe it's in Proverbs. It has to be in Proverbs because Proverbs is like so sarcastic. <laughs> it has to be in Proverbs where it talks about a man would rather live in the corner of a roof than be in the house with a nagging woman. And I'm just thinking, that's serious. Because <laughs> it rains out there, it's snowing out there, it's cold, it's windy, he'd rather live up there than in the nice warmth of the inside of the house with an Indian woman. And the Lord was saying to me, I need you to close your mouth because he can't hear me because all he hears is you. Wow. That, that was a lot. Here I was trying to win him over by adorning myself in jewelry doing my hair, putting on makeup, and there's nothing wrong with those things. I love some juries. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with those things. But if that's your focus, if you're adorning your outward person more than you're adorning the inward person, that's where we have the problem. And that's what God needed to work out in me because he said, I'm working on him, but the only way to win him over is by you being quiet and my child knows I am not quiet <laughs> I am not quiet but again we're talking about that gentle that word is coming up again that gentle and quiet spirit mm. so that's just a taste of what is going to happen for next week because that scripture again is packed full of so much in fact even when I was reading it for studying for this class, God showed some words in there that I never even saw before. And I've been reading the scripture now for, gosh, 20 years, and I never saw that word, fear. We're going to talk about fear in the next class. All right. All right.